This is Without Compromise, a show that explores what happens when you won't settle for anything less than your crazy ideas. We'll talk to athletes, founders, adventurers, and entrepreneurs of all kinds about living without compromise. I'm your host, Mason Gravely. Welcome to the show. We're programmed for survival, so our instinct is to give up on these situations, to move away from them. I thought if I didn't sign up for that race, that I was just going to disappear. It doesn't have to be these big, huge things that everyone thinks you need to do to make a difference. Hey, folks, I know it's been a crazy week in the world. And, you know, we, we talked about potentially postponing this episode, but we had recorded it and we just thought, you know, a, a lot of us are working hard to make change and it's nice to have something that you can come to and, and, and get reinvigorated, get re-inspired and to, to keep the fire going in you. And so that's a big reason why we wanted to release today's episode with Avery Collins, ultra runner up in the mountains of Colorado. But I also wanted just to reiterate here at Athletic Brewing Company, uh, we are making a stand for change. And so uh, if, if you didn't see, I would love to read you the statement that we released as a company if you haven't heard it. And a lot of you may be driving right now, so I don't encourage you to try to pull it up on your phone or something. So I'm just going to read it. Just take a minute. The driving force behind founding Athletic Brewing was the potential to positively impact the health and community of millions of Americans. When our communities struggle, we feel it. While we don't pretend to have the answers or even have a full comprehension of the pain and injustice, we recognize that racism and discrimination are prevailing in this modern life. We stand against the hate. Sitting idly will not cure racism. We all need to step up and commit to driving change. While we continue to drive these changes daily from the inside of our company, we at Athletic Brewing are dedicating a $50,000 impact fund aiming to eradicate this epidemic and forge a future of harmony, inclusion, and opportunity. We've selected the following organizations to donate to. United Negro College Fund, Equal Justice Initiative, NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund, Brewing Change Collaborative, and facing history and ourselves. Every step forward makes a difference in how the future unfolds for generations to come. We hope that if our small company aims for a big impact, others will join in an effort to improve the lives and success of our communities. We hope you'll join us in helping impart positive change in our daily lives. Let's make this better together. If you'd like to read up more on the impact uh, fund for this $50,000 in the causes that we'll be donating to, please go to our website. There's a link in the show notes that'll take you right to the page and it gives you more detail. So getting into today's episode, we're talking to one of our athletes, Avery Collins, out in Colorado. He's an ultra runner, so he just runs crazy distances in the mountains, but uh, he didn't grow up doing that. He grew up playing basketball. That was his love. That's what he did. And, uh, you know, kind of like for a lot of us, running it was the punishment for your sport at that time. So, But he started getting into running because, you know, he couldn't afford a gym membership in college. So uh, kind of like the rest of us, that's how I got into hiking is, was, you know, it's free. So he would go running, enjoyed it, enjoyed the suffering behind it, and started just realizing he had an incredible gift for running long distances. And as he began to garner some attention for his name and for the races he was completing and winning, of course, how fate works out, he was in a pretty serious car accident that almost jeopardized his entire career, entire path he was taking, uh, a point that I'm sure a lot of you have experienced too. And so he was able to pick himself back up, 
dedicated himself to recovering and came out even more strong. It's a pretty inspiring story. And for all of those out there trying to make a change in your life, trying to make a change in the world around you, I hope you learned something from Avery. And I hope you enjoy this conversation and that it invigorates you, encourages you, and motivates you to continue living your life without compromise and making a change in this world. Enjoy the episode. Uh, welcome to Without Compromise. Uh, we hope that you're using your voice to make a difference. Want to talk to folks on this show that are also making a difference, also pursuing crazy ideas. Today we have Avery Collins, one of our athletes from Colorado. Avery, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, man. I hope I'm making a difference. I don't know. That's that's actually <laughs> you. May, you're making me question myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, it, that's where it starts. No, no, you're making a difference, man. You're pushing boundaries. You're you're doing things just like we are here. And dude, so so you're in Colorado, but I honestly, when I researched you, you were kind of in a different spot each time. W- where is home for you now? And like, w- what is your home base? Yeah, yeah, we're in, uh, my girlfriend Sabrina and I live in Silverton, Colorado in the San Juans. Um, yeah, in the last few years, we've bounced from Steamboat Springs to Breckenridge to living out of a camper in Buena Vista, Uray, Leadville. Um, but home, home base now is in Silverton. Hey man, Silverton's kind of out there. Like what made you choose that area? Uh, 500 full-time residents uh it's just it's super quiet it's it's the one of the few places that majority of the year you can you can go out and run a service road and not run into anybody let alone uh i'd say 99 percent of my runs on single track or up on high alpine ridges i don't see anybody i mean for weeks on end so it's just uh, i think the the draw was we were somewhere that wasn't real niche um like like boulder per se like you know we're not we're not running into other runners all the time it's, it's just like our own private uh private playground i mean there's just tons and tons of mountains yeah that's a good point man I, you know I, I live in denver and it's a little overwhelming the amount of incredible athletes it's a little bit discouraging almost sometimes how like every time you open your mouth to somebody they're an olympic athlete and it's like well sh- well i haven't <laughs> done anything man. you know what i'm saying so it's yeah. nice to like yeah. get some space and just build up your confidence and you man every time i i follow you on instagram and your pictures are unbelievable silverton is just stunning it looks like it's straight out of the alps like you said super small town and i'm I'm sure you just have unbelievable adventures there all the time yeah it's phenomenal man it's i I just just like a little background most people don't realize this but 354 of Colorado's 13ers are all right there in the San Juans. Holy cow. And, I, and if I'm not mistaken, that's probably half of them because I think there's like 600 and something 13ers. I might be wrong, but yeah, that's a, a half or third. Yeah. Yeah. Did you grow up in Colorado? Where is home for you? And, and also, have you always been a runner or did you do something else before? No, I grew up in Indiana um, and spent all my summers in North Carolina with my grandparents going to basketball camp, which lead me to say I was, I was a basketball player my entire life. I mean, from I don't know, three or four, I started playing and then I played up until like travel ball through high school. And then in college, um, kind of gave it up to an extent I was playing men's league. Um, and then that's, that's essentially when I actually got into running was, uh, was in college. I, I couldn't afford a gym membership anymore and just figured I needed to stay in shape one way or another. So I started running and I just, man, it just, uh, caught on quick. Wasn't your first run just a few miles or something, and and, and then it just kind of exploded? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, just a few miles in the neighborhood. I, I got into ultra running, and I was doing more Midwestern races for 
uh, six to nine months. And then I did this underground run. It's called Pitchell. Um, it's just this 67 mile run. I did it with these buddies and it was just like a for fun thing. And it was just, I don't There was something about the Sufferfest that came with the mountains that I really loved. And that was, that was first in Asheville. So I started making these trips out to Asheville, um, every weekend while I was living in Indiana. Um, and oh, wow. then, you know, sure enough, I, I eventually made my way out to Colorado, which was uh, about seven years ago now. Wow, man. Can you talk about like, you know, a lot of us have like a traditional sports background, then we kind of find this endurance sports later. What what was it about running that just maybe made you gravitate towards it versus basketball or some of the more traditional sports? You know, at first, I think I was ignorantly, I thought that I was um, good enough to like from the start, I really was questioning, like, I think I could actually make something out of this. Like, I think I could be mm. as good as anybody else, um, with real, no bat with no real backing behind that. And then I just, I just started following that. And, and I found that, you know, the longer the race got and the harder the race got, I seemed to shine through a little bit more. And that's, I think that's ultimately what led to the mountain running. It's just, I think the level level of difficulty that came with it was something I could embrace and really enjoy. And it just, that grew and grew to the point where now it's, as you do more and more of these super long races, you know, 100 miles, 200 miles, they become less and less painful. And they, like, they always suck, but I think you mentally be, you, you're like, you just become more used to it. And yeah, it's, it's like, it's such a hard thing to explain, but it's like anything else. Um, you know, you put 10,000 hours in and you're bound to get pretty good at it. No, that that's definitely true. The, the suffering becomes maybe more familiar or, you know, the pattern of it maybe, or that, you know, that it's going to exactly. pay off. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And especially it's clock, you know, it's kind of clockwork, especially in like a hundred mile race. And I haven't done you know, boatloads of them, but I've, I've done enough to really know how they work. And now it's clockwork. I know I, mile 40, a little bit of a downfall. And then I pick back up again and typically my miles 50 through 80 are always tremendous. And then it's always just, <laughs> it's just gutting it out in the back end of the race. Uh, the, those things don't typically change a whole lot. The things that do change are, you know, the smaller things like maybe avoiding rolling an ankle for a race, or it might happen three or four times. There's all these kind of little punches you take, and it's just a matter of how you, how you deal with them as they occur. Mm, sounds like a life lesson to me. <laughs> exactly, man. Seriously. So early on, was there a particular ultra or a particular race that, I don't know, or experience or story that you have, something that was pivotal for you that kind of led you on this path where you could have gone maybe two ways? Yeah, man. And, and, and like, I feel like I could tell you some like glamorous, sexy story of, you know, winning some race and, but that's just not the case. That's not, I don't think we learn really. I mean, I mean we learn when we win and when we do great, but we learn so much more when we, when we, you know, expose failure. And I would say the, the greatest turning point for me in running was, um, the very first hundred I attempted, which was not a mountain race. It was, it was actually a, a fairly flat race in Ohio called the burning river 100. And I went into it thinking that my training was going to cut it and almost knowing that it wasn't enough, but I was going to rely on athleticism to get the job done. And it didn't work that way. And I had, I was getting past left and right and ended up dropping at mile 70. And from that day on, my training changed significantly. I, I realized that 
like this wasn't something that was just going to get handed to me. And if I really wanted it, I couldn't solely rely on athleticism. So you didn't finish. Wow. I feel like that could be pretty crushing, you know, especially the first one to say, like, why the hell am I doing this? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was September, October of 2013. And then I believe the next summer was my first uh, 100-mile finish, and that was the Fat Dog 120 uh, in British Columbia. And that was actually a pretty big mountain race. Wow. What was that feeling like to finish after not? Yeah, it was amazing, man. I mean, it was, I think what was most amazing was, um, seeing how much my training had paid off. I really worked hard that entire summer. And that was actually the summer I moved out to Colorado and I was working two or three jobs at a time. And like my runs, majority of my runs would be eight, nine o'clock at night. And then I'd run till midnight with my, my roommate and real, real good friend, Devin. We just did, I mean, that was it. It was work and run period. And it was super eye-opening because the race itself was, did I have low points? Absolutely. But overall, it was nothing like that race, that flat race I did in Ohio. Like I, it was very, very clear that if you're willing to put the work in, it's going to pay off. I mean, everybody says it, but you know, it, that was for me, it was very real. And if I'm not mistaken, you placed in that race, correct? Yeah, I finished third. Wow, um, man. And then full circle, I ran that race again um, just this past summer. <laughs> and, you, and you won. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot longer race, too. This year, it ran about 135 miles for me this year. And uh, um, that was just due to a, course, a slight course change. They added a couple more mountains. And then I also ran off course for about five miles. But um, it was, you know, I had just last, last summer come off of an injury. So to be able to do that was oh man it was it 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 was pretty amazing i had a pretty rough winter um leading up to that race so to not only be able to finish but then also be able to say like look six years ago i ran this race nine hours slower and the race was shorter and you won like that's pretty incredible so, so you mentioned a injury and i heard someone mention something about that but i couldn't get a lot of information what was that could you do you mind explaining what happened? I, I oh, don't yeah, know sure. if it's off limits. Please, you know, if it is, don't worry about it. But like, what mentally, what was that like to get through? How how did you process that? Because a lot of people are gonna face that at some point. Yeah, and it wasn't a very basic injury, um, which was definitely the biggest bummer. It wasn't like a simple because I've had hamstring problems in the past, like things that you can work through via stretching, functional strength, seeing a PT every once in a while, but, um, this was, so what happened was we, uh, my girlfriend and I got into an accident. We were hit by a semi truck at about 65 miles an hour and we were at a standstill. Oh my God. Um, so we, yeah, we got our clock cleaned. Um, and then two weeks later I ran Tour de Jean, the 200 mile race through the Italian Alps. And, um, I think just the combination of the two, uh, really, really did some major damage, uh, to my back. And I, Long story short, I went through a lot of different uh, doctors and this, that, and the other, and eventually found, went back to this gentleman, Steve Warfel. He, he's absolutely phenomenal PT, um, and he had me fixed in no time, but I had uh, multiple displaced ribs, um, four or five displaced vertebrae, displaced ankle bone, my knee wasn't tracking right, um, and my hips and slash pelvis were totally uh, unaligned. And I know I'm not putting everything in layman's terms, but, um, I was, I was a complete and utter mess. Messed up. 
Yeah, and it caused it caused extreme back pain. I couldn't uh, like walking hurt really, really, really bad. So running wasn't even an option at all. I mean, I went months where uh, once every eight to ten days I'd go out and try to run just a mile, and I couldn't do it. Um, and I started seeing Steve, and like uh, everything turned around pretty quick. He was a huge help, and now I just I try to stay on top of all that stuff with uh, functional strength and lots of yoga because the back unfortunately it, it like it's not perfect it's something I still have to work with daily and you know honestly I think the back injury was something of a of a I don't know I, it was a blessing per se because I was into snowboarding at the time and for whatever reason snowboarding didn't seem to hurt on my back which was shocking but it like it really drugged me into getting into snowboarding much more and more like mountaineering style so I started doing a lot of vertical per week, climbing on my split board up the mountain in Steamboat. And then this, I slowly eased my way a couple winters ago into backcountry. And then this past winter, I, you know, really went in full tilt in the San Juans and got a good group of friends behind me and uh, ended up doing about 80 days in the backcountry. And 50 of those days, I summited a peak. So it, it brought me into a sport that I found that I I don't like it as much as trail running, but it is, it's incredibly close and it allows me to actually recover and kind of just switch gears through the winter and like mentally just get over the exhaustion that you go through training all summer long. That's really interesting. You mentioned that I've talked to a lot of athletes that are, that are really well known for something and you talk to them how they got into that sport and it was because an injury forced them to try that sport and then they ended up loving it. Not not in your case, but like a lot of people find like a, an even deeper passion for something else. And I hear it over and over again. It's like, well, what are the chances at you know mid twenties I've found the biggest thing I'll ever be passionate about? It's pretty low because I haven't tried everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's what's crazy. What what else could you possibly be really good at? Exactly. You may never find you just out. Never had that chance. <laughs> like you could have, you know, you spent all these years playing basketball. What if? I don't know. It would have been something else random. There's just no telling. And so that's kind of the weird opportunity that, that an injury can bring if you know you want to look at it that way. But it's also totally understandable if it's pretty freaking devastating at the same time because, you know, you, you know you love things. And so when you can't yeah. do it, it's pretty crushing. So, man, you've mentioned not being able to run a mile. I mean, how hard was that for you? Uh, you know, the, the hardest thing was uh... – I was genuinely questioning my decision-making for the last seven years. And it was Mm. incredibly difficult. And like, I had like super, super meltdowns and breakdowns. And like, luckily Sabrina was there and helped big time because like, I'm, I'm going on six months, no running. And I just dedicated the last seven years of my life to this. I dropped out of school for this and I did this against everybody else's opinions at the end of the day, you know, every, everyone said, Avery, you're not going to be a professional runner. And I said, yes, yes, I am. And, you know, like I was questioning all that stuff and, and like, did I really like kind of like reach, it felt like, you know, my last couple years of racing have been great and I'm finally starting to like really get this figured out and being able to go overseas and race. And now it all just came to an end just that fast. And, you know, obviously luckily you know it it worked out and in the grand scheme of things you know obviously six months isn't a very long time but in that moment it just felt like it was never going to end Avery that's really inspiring to chase something so hard and then to have it taken away right when you feel like you're making it 
feels so unfair, you know, (laughs) I'm sure you felt that, but what, what would you say were maybe some of the bigger motivators or biggest things that kept you focused? Cause that's, that's a lot you're going up against at that point. I started being, I guess, realistic with myself. And at the end of the day, I, you know, I, I was thinking I'm an athlete. Like that's, that's just what I do. And I started looking at, uh, I was going to get a gravel bike. I, I already had been cycling and had a road bike and mountain bike. And I've, you know, started seeing how the gravel bike scene started erupting and it kind of reminded me of trail running and I'm not a very good mountain biker. And I just started really looking into uh, gravel bike races and I was getting really close to, I was actually working with a buddy through a, a company called Y cycles and was going to get a hookup on a bike through them. And like, I was really about to become a cyclist. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, I don't want, I was thinking like, I don't want to go back to work. So I guess I better get good at something else. <laughs> that's awesome, man. And you know, that's a, honestly an awesome area for that too. I hate to just dwell on this so long, but it just seems so pivotal. <clears throat> yeah. So man, all right. You come back from that. You win the fat dog last year. Got to just be so many emotions going through your head. Was there kind of, I mean, what, what, what did you, where do you go from there? What were your sights set on at that point? Was it more of these events? Was it more kind of FKT challenges? You know, was it growing the business side of your, your brand, I guess? Like what, what was it for you after that? Uh, well, going into the summer, um, my, my main focus was actually supposed to be Grand Raid Diagonal Defu on Reunion Island. It's, it's actually the biggest uh, uh, field size race in the world. Um, most people don't even realize that, but it's like 3,500 runners. Um, and it's super, 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 super gnarly and technical. And I got a little, I, I, I'm trying to get better about this and I, and I have over the years, but after the injury, I was impatient. Like I, once I got back into running, all I wanted to do was prove to myself, I still had it. And so I jumped into a 50 K in May and did pretty well. And then I jumped into, I feel like I may have done one more race in June. Oh, I did. I did another race in June and unfortunately missed a turn and cut up like three quarters of a mile off the course on accident. It's a long story. Mm -hmm. Anyways, race director calls me the next day and was like, Hey, Avery, did you, do you remember checking in the state station? I was like, honestly, I have no idea. And then she had described the course and I'm like, Oh my gosh, no. And she gave me, she gave me the option of a time penalty or a DNF. And I was just like, that's not fair to anybody else. I'll just take a DNF. Um, so it was unfortunate, but anyways, and then I popped into fat dog really more out of like, Oh, I just want to run a hundred miles. And once again, prove this to myself. And I wasn't really thinking long-term and, and long-term was October. That was grand raid. And after fat dog, I had just a kind of a minor, uh, it band, um, injury that kind of pulled me out of running for about six to seven weeks. And I just swapped it with a lot of, uh, I, I got kind of bit, I got into climbing quite a bit and then doing some mountain biking again. And then ultimately, you know, unfortunately had to drop from the hundred mile distance to the, uh, 120 kilometer distance at grand raid. And I ended up doing well. It was just the learning lesson there was like, I really, when I say I'm going to do something at the beginning of the year, I need to be patient and I need to work towards that goal rather than what, just kind of going all out in a short amount of time. Yeah. Just getting caught up in, you know, the race season, like you just get excited and, and you see, you see all these awesome things everybody else is doing and, you know, knowing what, knowing you're capable of, capable of whatever it is you want to go out and you want to, you know, you want to do it as well. And it's just, 
and, and the race was in October. So it's like, you got to go through the entire summer of all your buddies racing and you're just sitting around waiting for your a race to, to come at the very end of the season. But the plan, yeah, the plan after the injury was go do grand raid. Cause this is the biggest, baddest race out there. And, um, unfortunately due to my impatience, um, I had to drop down to the shorter distance, which was still a competitive, like 1500 person field. It just wasn't the race I was supposed to be doing that day. Hmm. So s- since then, you know, I know things are kind of all on hold right now. How have you been getting through, you know, talking about patience and all this, how have you been getting through right now with quarantine and everything being po- either postponed or going virtual? How have you been dealing with that? Is it just, you know, another little challenge to get through or has it been pretty, a pretty big deal? No, hasn't been a big deal at all. It's actually <laughs> Sabrina and I feel really, I mean, we're definitely grateful and it's just really wild to see what's going on in the cities and like how life has been for the last three and a half or four months. It's just, it's absolutely crazy, especially from the bubble that we're in. Our our town was shut off. You couldn't even come into our town. If you didn't live in Silverton up until like a week ago, you'd get a serious fine for just driving into our town. So we were shut off from the world. And I would say things felt semi-normal within our world. And we didn't have to be stuck in our homes. or anything. I mean, we were out running mountains every single day. Um nothing changed. Like literally nothing changed for us except for the fact that like we got to put a mask on when we go into the grocery store. Um, and I'm, I'm like, we're definitely grateful for that. And we realize where we're at and what we have. And it, and it is like, it's so hard to watch. We don't, we don't have cables. So we don't watch the news, but like we'll, we'll listen to podcasts and just to hear all the crazy stuff that's been going on. It's just, it's really unbelievable, but we've just, I mean, things haven't changed a whole lot. And as far as racing goes to be perfectly honest this has been amazing like this is what running is racing is not running and my buddy Devin and i were talking about this week ago when i was out visiting him to do some running and it was like i don't understand i personally can't understand people just being so caught up that they need to do races and like if, if their identity is wrapped around doing racing and like that's not run- like Think about what you did the very first time you went for a run. You weren't going for a run for the first time because you wanted to race. Like, that's not why you did it. And that's been the best part about our spring and beginning of summer so far is like, we don't have to do any racing. Like, I'm just going out and bagging peaks every day because that's what I like to do. And I don't have to really have any kind of real plan going into it until as of lately, we we did decide both Sabrina are. I'm going to for sure be doing a um, FKT and so will Sabrina more than likely. Like beyond that, it's, this is better. This is great. I mean, I'm going to have to like, obviously racing is something we need in our lives to continue our lifestyle and what we're doing. But for the time being, like this is the most natural raw state of, of running that you can possibly have. That's a really good reflection, man. Like it's, it's, it does make you stop and think, why am I doing this? Why am I into this? And yeah. if you are wanting just that pure, just running, you you got it right now, especially you where you are. Do you think you'd be attempting this FKT without the quarantine happening? No, no. And that's what's so great about it. It's it's an FKT that I've been wanting to do for about four or five years now, but I, I've never been able to do it because 
I mean, racing kind of takes priority, especially when it comes to maintaining, maintaining sponsorships and so on and so forth. And that's where, you know, that's where the, the credit comes from is the racing. And, um, now that there isn't that now I get to do something I've always wanted to do, just haven't had time for it because it's such a big obligation. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, this might not be some sanctioned event, but you know, tell us about this FKT because if you if you achieve this F, the, and and do this, you're going to have some serious uh, serious cred in the in the in the running <laughs> world. Some serious cojones, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it's a big deal if you if you make this happen. But yeah, tell us a little bit about it. Sure, man. Um, so I'm actually talking to you from from Leadville, um, which is not home. Uh, it is home to the Swatch Mountain Range and uh, the FKT that. Uh, I'm going to be doing, it's called Nolan's 14. It's actually kind of a bit of a classic route. However, hasn't been done very many times. I think uh, 24 people have finished it in the last probably 25 years or so. Anyways, it's a uh, it's it's an approximate 100 mile traverse across 14 14ers. You know, there's some definitely some routes that make a lot of sense. However, um, the beauty of it is beyond the start point and the finish point, it's an open route, meaning all you have to do is summit all 14 14ers and you can take any route you want to get up and down them, which typically entails um, some like class three and depending on the route, maybe just a little bit of class four off trail scrambling. And, and it's, you know, it's kind of like it's definitely a culmination of my training in the last couple of years, spending our time in the San Juans. And it's it's kind of become the more apparent thing that I should be doing. And it's, it's just, you know, it's a really big mountain objective. So Sabrina and I are in Leadville right now, um, just kind of training and scouting the, all the 14ers and making sure that, you know, we can link these mountains up properly without making any major mistakes. And uh, the current records um, held by Alex Nichols, which is 46, 41, I think, or 46.50, something like that. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, man. When are you attempting it and how, how can people follow along with that? Um, I'll probably be doing it in July. Um, I'm not really telling, I'm not telling anybody. When okay. I'm, doing it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not telling anyone. I mean, the people be something that other people are planning too. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and you know, I've, I've got a good group of friends. They're going to come out and crew and pace me. Obviously they have a pretty general idea, uh, when I'm going to go for it, but you know, I honestly, the, the time spent out here, on, on the route, it's not very intimidating. Uh, like I, I've actually Sabrina and I, I under, we understand the difficulty of it on the, you know, the full extent of the course, um, because it is anywhere from like 42 to 46,000 feet of climbing and descending. With that being said, I've done races with that much climbing and descending and we spend, I spend all winter and summer, uh, like once a week, if not three, four, five times a week above 13 K. So it like, honestly, the trails out here are really nice. So the trail that you do have on course, which I feel like people don't quite give enough credit for is really good. At least compared to San Juan running, it's pretty clear. The rock out here is way more bomber and just like reliable. Whereas in the San Juans, every step you take, the rock moves underneath your foot and you just get used to surfing all the time. Just this, I don't know. I just, I know for most people, they might think I'm kind of like out of my mind saying that the route's not as bad as I think most people make it seem. (laughs) You know, I, I think it's just, 
people talking about it might be used to just more sanctioned races. So it is, and it is, like you said, kind of a, a classic route. A lot of people have heard that name. Nolan's 14 have heard the stories or the reputation that follows it, but the difficult parts of the navigation at night, you know, there's no markings, you know, there's finding your way up on ridge lines at night is fine and dandy. I, the problem that w- that I think most people have, and I'm hoping to avoid to some extent is once you're down in the woods, you can't see anything and you need to really trust the direct line you're taking so you can get to the next mountain. Um, and that's definitely the consensus that we've gotten from, uh, our friends and the people we know that have done it. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, I, I, I appreciate this. If you don't mind, I'd love to wrap up with like five or six rapid fire questions. Yeah, man. So, so what has been your favorite high peak success? Like what has been your favorite, maybe most memorable achievement in the running world? You know, probably most recently, um, trail to bourbon grand raid that 120 K just because, uh, the lack of training, like I just, I crammed it all into one, one little small amount of time. And then just, you know, kind of found out that I could just, I could just tough it out and like really, um, rely on mental strength. So what would you say you're most curious about right now outside of running? Uh, progressing my snowboarding, to be perfectly honest. Uh, yeah, last year, last year I got my first uh, uh, snowboard uh, sponsorship, and uh, I just kind of want to keep progressing there. Cool, man. Yeah, maybe we'll be talking about that on another episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's your proudest achievement outside of, outside of your career, running career? Man, he caught me off guard with that one. <laughs> I didn't finish college. I went straight from like college to running. Oh, uh, you, uh, you know, I managing to keep a girlfriend for more than four months. <laughs> I Dead <get> serious. That. <laughs> Congratulations, man! So, it, so it's been at least four months. We're on four years. Oh shoot! And prior to that, I had never had a girlfriend longer than four months. Yeah. Well, congratulations. She she sounds like she's been there with you through a lot. So I I think y'all's bond is pretty tight. It sounds like. Yeah, and I'm becoming slowly becoming a better person. So that's that's definitely a big bonus. Hey, you can't ask for more than that in a partner, man. That's 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 awesome. Well, congrats on that huge achievement. So, is there is there any sort of health tip or something you do on a daily basis that keeps you keeps your body ready? Yeah. Um, I would say in the last year, uh, yoga, yoga has been, uh, become a little, definitely a more frequent, um, thing I've done. I mean, I'd say three to four days a week for 30 to 40 minutes. That it'll change your life. Yeah. And this might, you might already answer this biggest goal not yet achieved. Is that the FKT coming up? Oh, um, I would say biggest goal not yet achieved is winning Tortoise. That is, uh, I, I think about it daily, man. Well, good luck with that. And lastly, you know, to wrap it all up, what what does it mean to you, and and how do you live without compromise? Um, not not being afraid of of achieving goals, and not being afraid of things that seem quite difficult and and scary. And I think that's what the way they're supposed to be. And you know, going after them without without limiting myself. Awesome words of wisdom. Awesome story. Thanks for opening up and just sharing. And, you know, it's, it's so many things parallel with our journey as a brewery, as weird as that seems, just this giant mountain in front of you that, that, and you just go for it. And then the next thing you know, you're on this adventure. So it sounds like you're just living that every day, which is so cool to see. So 
Avery, thanks for joining us, man, on Without Compromise. Uh, absolutely, Mason. I appreciate it. All right. See you, man. All right. Later. You can find out more about Avery on his Instagram, his Facebook, and also this really great SB Nation write-up they did of him, Zen Ultra Running and the Art of Suffering. goes into some more detail about some of the stories we covered, but all that is in the show notes. And Without Compromise is a production of Athletic Brewing Company, the makers of the best-tasting non-alcoholic craft beer in the world. Keep getting out there and living without compromise.